Hello and welcome to Second Look, the show brought to you by Outset, where we pause and re-examine issues and things going on in politics and culture. Now you've heard that intro, what is this, Thirty episode 34? I think this is episode 34. You've heard that intro a lot of times already. And I have done way vastly more politics shows than I have culture shows. But culture is just as important, if not more important, than politics in our discussions of um, where things should be going. Well, let me tell you, this week I had, well, first of all, I just want to say on the show, I I said I'd have maybe no episode last week because it was my anniversary and that ended up happening, but my wife and I had a wonderful time. We went out and got amazing pizza. If you are ever in downtown Phoenix or downtown Tucson, Highly, highly, highly recommend Pizzeria Bianco. Amazingly delicious. And then we went and got some, like, fancy ice cream from this place called The Screamery, which they, they it's all really high-quality stuff, all natural and whatnot. They actually pasteurize it in-house. So it was really amazing pizza, really amazing ice cream. We had a nice time. So, how... I hope the last two weeks have been good for you. Um, the start of this year has been kind of a crazy one. I'm recording this Tuesday morning, the 12th, and um, there's been a, some sort of bombing in Istanbul. And I said that kind of funny, but we're just going to move on, Okay. I don't know much about this bombing yet. I haven't taken the time this morning to read any, like, news stories or anything about it because, my goodness, it is cold. I live in the middle of the desert, and it is so stinking cold. What a lot of people don't realize about Arizona is that once you get, like, in the summer, yeah, it gets really hot, especially if um, if you're out in Yuma which is the very westernmost tip of the state. Yuma is right on the border with California. Um, They probably get the hottest. Yuma, there's a tiny little town called Gila Bend. They get really, really hot during the day. But then up in Phoenix, it stays hotter at night because the desert actually really cools down at night. But in Phoenix, there's... And the whole Phoenix area has... um, so much pavement that it stays hot. I mean, they hit a period, sometimes it can go over a month, where when it goes over 100 degrees and it doesn't go back under 100 degrees for weeks, if not a month. Well, in the wintertime, we actually get some, like, decently cold weather. It's not absolutely frigid. Well, actually, it is today, and that's what I was talking about. Um, This morning... When I leave the apartment here after I'm done recording this, it's going to be 32 degrees outside. So that's lovely. 
I spent about 40 minutes this morning scraping ice off my wife's car so she could leave. (laughs) I'm not used to this. I grew up in the desert. And sure, you know, it gets cold in the mornings, but I am not used to having to scrape ice off my car. Arizona is the snow capital of the country (laughs) so far this year. Now, of course, that will probably change very quickly, if not this week. But up in Flagstaff, which is, like, northern in the state, they've got, like, 35 inches of snow or something like that. Uh, that's more than Anchorage, Alaska and Buffalo, New York. So so we're enjoying our, our nice wintry weather, but I'm really hoping it kind of evens out a little bit soon and becomes a more normal winter where things get down to, oh, you know, maybe 40, 50. But I would just like to say, and I've said this for years, I might have even said it on the show before, I would take 110 over 55 any day. I I don't do well in the cold, and I do do well in the heat. As long as I have water, I'm good in the heat. So my start to 2016 has been cold, um... How has yours been? How's the weather? What have you been up to? You going back to school? I'm not! Ha! And I'm going to rub it in your face. (laughs) Uh, No, I am very excitedly not going to school because I graduated. I can't 100% rule out further schooling in the future, but I can 100% say that I am really going to enjoy having some time off. (laughs) So, one thing I have been going to work on in 2016 is gratitude and contentment. Being happy with where I am now and being thankful for where I am now. Now, this isn't to say uh, complacency, I'm still going to be striving for improvement. But um, while I was still doing my undergrad, I kind of got in, in, in the mindset that, like, as long as I just push through this semester, then things will be better. And then it became like, well, once I've graduated, then things will be better. And I was just really stuck all the time on the future. And sure, it's it's a good thing to make plans. It's a good thing to, um, to have hopes for the future. But it's not a good thing to live there in your head. We're, we're not built to live that way. And just talking for a moment about from a from a faith perspective my personal faith says that um god has allowed or caused the current circumstances in each of our lives and um that we can be thankful in all of our circumstances and even in in one place in the bible it talks about how uh we don't know what the future holds so we shouldn't make these plans that say, well, 
yes, I will be doing this. We should be saying, God willing, I will be doing this. I don't know what my life's going to look like in six months. Um, And so I need to stop... uh, What's the word I'm looking for here? I need to stop putting the future on this awesome pedestal and be content and grateful for where I am. This is just one of the goals I've laid out for myself in 2016, but it it was kind of striking because this past week I stumbled upon an article that introduced me to a conservative philosopher I'd never heard of before. His name's Michael Oakeshott. I... I... I don't know. There's a lot of stuff about him on the internet now that I've heard of him, but I never had before. And Oakeshott had kind of a different view of human nature and a different view of what conservatism is. And his perspective on things, as I've started to dive into it, and I'm sure I'll have more on Oakeshott for you in the coming weeks, it's I, I've just discovered him this past week, and so I'm reading things and trying to absorb them and see what I think about them. But, but his basic disposition is that um, conservatives need to... Conservatism, rather, is inherently an attitude and not a list of principles. He, he's different from... Oh, I don't know, say Russell Kirk and his ten conservative principles. He Oakshot rather viewed conservatism as a way of looking at the world. And his attitude is something that has really resonated with me this past week. And I'm gonna read to you and I'll I'll put a link to this whole article in the show notes. It's a little long, but it's definitely worth the read. And I saw this in um, first things. It's by Elizabeth Corey, and it's actually from 2012. It just popped up in my Twitter feed this week, and it's called A Disposition of Delight. True conservatism, as Michael Oakeshott understood it, requires recognizing the world's beauty. So I'm going to read just a little bit from this passage. What does the cultivation of Oakshot's conservative disposition mean for politics? Above all, it means that politics can never be a true source of human fulfillment. Following both Augustine and Hobbes, Oakshot saw that there was no hope of transforming the human condition, and thus insuperable obstacles stand in the way of progressive aims. The best political activity can do is to enforce a rule of law that allows men to live peacefully with one another as they pursue, quote, the activities in which they have chosen to seek their happiness, end quote. Thus, political conservatism must be predicated on dispositional conservatism. This assumes that we know what to do with our freedom that we have the ability to see the limits of politics and of all worldly aspiration, and that we can enjoy the enormous riches of both the created world and of our own intellectual tradition. 
It is a disposition at once skeptical and joyful. I am really into politics, but I often find myself at a loss when it comes to politics because it's just so frustrating to me and it just seems so hopeless and purposeless to even try and change political things because it seems like we're just having the same debates we've always been having. I have some big goals for 2016 that I'm not quite ready to share publicly yet that I, I'm glad I stumbled upon this and am and taking this journey into Oakshot's philosophy before I set out, um, lay out the groundwork on those goals. Because I agree <laughs> with everything I've read so far. Uh, this whole piece um, that, I, again, I'll put the link in the show notes, but by Elizabeth Corey in First Things, I, I just kept saying, well, yes, yes, I agree with that. And even some things I had never thought about it that way before, but I definitely agree. And it's very friendly to the notion of the breed of conservatism that I consider myself to be a part of, which is kind of this fusion of conservatism and libertarianism and... um, there's no I I've struggled for a long time to find a word single word to describe where I stand politically and it doesn't exist. <laughs> and so I was really happy to stumble upon something that seems like it fits the way I see the world pretty well. And like I said, I'm sure I will have more in future episodes about Oakshot and the things I agree with, the things I disagree with. But thinking about uh, things from from Oakshot's perspective, that we should not be in politics to try and affect change on others. This is something he calls rationalism, but rather that we should seek to enjoy our own lives. And I really like that philosophy because from my libertarian perspective, it doesn't seem as though um, I have any right, so to speak, to tell you what you need to change in your life. So rather, I should just let you be free and let me be free to live our own lives. I feel like this is friendly with my faith. It's friendly with the founding documents of our country and the the spirit of the founding of our country, not just the the writing. So I was thinking a lot about this and trying to come up with some cultural values that would fit with this Oakshot breed of conservatism as a disposition of enjoyment rather than um, a set of principles. And 
it's something that's interesting because so often we say that, well, progressives have culture. And so some people have just resigned themselves to that and said, well, since the progressives have won in culture, we need to fight and make sure conservatives win in politics. Other people say, no, we need to change the culture. We need to capture the culture for conservative ideas. But so far, conservatives have done spectacularly terribly at either of those things. And I think one of the problems here is that the conservative view of culture encapsulates only the arts. Uh, We have conservatives try to make movies and music and art. And while that does have some success, there's so much more to culture than that. So I was thinking through this week and I've identified four aspects of American culture that are unhealthy and that lots of people, especially the millennial generation, are starting to recognize as unhealthy. And four ways that a a little C conservative, as Oakshot might have um, put forward... Four four values of this dispositional conservatism that are kind of the natural answer to those four unhealthy elements of American culture. And so that's where what I want to share with you today. And what are we, like 18 minutes into this episode already? In case you can't tell, I'm really excited about this stuff. So... Let's just get to it. Um, The first... These these four elements of culture are somewhat related, so I'll go into detail as far as explaining them. Uh, The first one is excess. Now, what I mean by this is we eat to excess. We exercise to excess, we relax to excess, we work to excess. American culture has a a tendency to take everything one step too far. So where in some places the, the social convention might be to go out and have a drink on a Friday night with friends, in America the social convention is to go out and get hammered. Uh, when, when you're in college, anyway. So, the, this tendency to excess is unhealthy from any direction. And I think that a lot of the problems we have culturally stem from this one issue. We've built a culture that doesn't just have excess as the default position, we glorify it. We like to hear the the crazy stories about the, um, there, I, there's a restaurant, I think it might actually be somewhere in the Phoenix area, I don't remember, but it's called the Heart Attack Grill, and they have this one burger there where if you can finish it, they wheel you out to the car in your, in a wheelchair, <laughs> because there's so many calories in this one burger, that is, 
you won't be able to walk after you finish it. And we like hearing those stories. We have hot dog and pizza eating contests. And I'm not necessarily saying that all of these things are always bad, but I think it's emblematic of a larger cultural problem. And from a dispositional um, conservatism perspective, the natural answer to excess is moderation. And this definitely fits in with Oakshot's point of view, that we should enjoy our world. So often when we find negative extremism, our our natural response is to do extremism in the other direction. If we've gotten ourselves so, sometimes that's that's an appropriate response. Like say, if you've gotten yourself in credit card debt due to extreme overspending, if you have $82,000 in credit card debt, then you should become extremely frugal to pay off that debt as quickly as possible. Sometimes you you do have to have an extreme thing, but sometimes you just have to have moderation. So if you've been eating too much chocolate every day, but you love chocolate, and if you quit it cold turkey, you're going to start binging on it once a week rather than eating just a little bit too much every day. Well, you don't want to jump to that extreme quitting attempt at quitting cold turkey. You just want to moderate yourself. And this definitely fits in with Oakshadian values of enjoyment and um, thoughtfulness about your life and just pursuing activities that lead to happiness. And then the second cultural value that I think is really unhealthy is our, our worship of busyness. We, we talk about how important it is to just work all the time. And don't get me wrong, I do believe it is very important to work hard. Um, that's something that's dictated by my faith and um, my secular views as well. It is important to work hard at whatever you do. You. But that doesn't mean you should work so hard that you beat your body up in a way it will never recover from. I just heard a story this week uh, about, I think it was Jack Dorsey, because he's back at Twitter now. Um, he's now doing 18-hour work days. There's no way that can be healthy, and Jack Dorsey's work is going to suffer for it, I believe. But but we share this as like a, oh, wow, I should work as hard as Jack Dorsey. Well, no. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. And Oakshot, I think, would agree here that it's if if you don't have a healthy self, if you aren't enjoying your life. Your life is meaningless. Again, if I'm going to bring in my faith here, I've been doing this a lot this episode, but um, the Bible says that God has given us things to enjoy. And I, I don't believe we were put on this 
world to mindlessly grind away. Um, while I do think hard work is important, I think that enjoyment is just as important too. The third cultural value uh, is very similar to the first, and that is extremism. So, whereas excess relates, in my opinion, mostly to pleasure. Um, So, eating too much, drinking too much, running too much, uh, playing video games too much. Things that bring you pleasure. Extremism, in, in the way I mean it here, relates more to... Uh, temperament and ideology. I th- I think this is why uh, political candidates who say extreme things, though they do usually flame out, I think this is why they're popular for a while. And I think it's why um, groups like, I don't know, white supremacists have still managed to establish a foothold. We We like to be extreme in the things we enjoy. And again, this is one that's not always a bad thing. As with excess, as with um, busyness and being hardworking, extremism isn't always bad, but having that as your default reaction to everything, being extremely angry at something you read before you've even really thought about it, or being extremely happy about something, and then it ends up feeling hollow to you later. Extremism is not um, not a good default position. And again, dispositional conservatism is the answer to this, even though extremism and excess are different. The answer to both is moderation and contentment. And then the fourth attitude that I I think of that's unhealthy in American culture is um, our, our focus on business. I love the scene in You've Got Mail. One of my favorite movies, by the way. If you've never seen it, you're missing out. Um, but major spoiler alert here. Um, in You've Got Mail, the it's a Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan movie, and Tom Hanks's character puts Meg Ryan's character out of business. And he comes to her later wanting to be her friend and it's all really sweet and everything but he says um it wasn't personal and she says why does everyone say that why do we say it's not personal it was personal to me Everything is personal, whether you realize it or not. And Americans in particular, I think, have this attitude a lot of the time that, well, it's just business. And if I was rude to them and that that's just business, everything is personal. Uh, people are, are all we have. And so uh, on some level, you have to recognize this. 
And I think this fits a lot, again, with Oakeshott's conservatism because his idea of a conservative life is uh, one that lives peacefully with other people, allowing them to pursue their own happiness. And this this is respectful of other people. It's loving and caring of other people. And so in these four areas, I feel like uh, my generation especially is recognizing that these aspects of American culture are toxic. Um, certainly not across the board, but um, more than in past generations. And so I feel like if the conservative movement, trademark, were to um, adopt Oakshot's attitude, at least as regards our culture politics, instead of trying to mirror the left, instead of trying to cause social revolution and change, rather just um, enjoy where we are and seek to live in such a way that other people can do the same, I feel like within that there is a natural remedy for some of the biggest cultural blights, and that it might be able to bring conservatism bigger uh, wins politically. So I don't have much more for you today on this but I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, I I really do recommend that you go and read that article, which, again, I will put it in the show notes at outsetmagazine.com. So there is no excuse for not finding the article. It Read it with an open mind, and if you agree with it, start trying to live that way. And if you don't agree with it, please let me know. You can find me on Twitter at BGreenAZ, or you can um, always comment at OutsetMagazine.com, and I will see that there. So, again, I, I challenge you to consider these values and consider dispositional conservatism as a remedy to a lot of the problems that Americans face every day. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Second Look. Like I said, you can find me on Twitter at BGreenAZ. Also, make sure to give a follow to my awesome editor, Stephen Perkins. His username is at Stephen with a PH underscore Perkins. Um, you can find Outset Magazine on Facebook and on Twitter and at OutsetMagazine.com. You can find all of the Outset podcasts, all of them. There are so many, and they're wonderful. You can find them at OutsetMagazine.com or in iTunes, where we hope you will subscribe so you don't miss a single episode and that you will rate each one because that really helps us gain exposure. That's all I have for you today. I hope you enjoy today to the fullest. 
We'll see you next time.